just want to go back to these uh, serious scriptures as a foundation because we're celebrating the fact that God wants to transform us. How many of you know that we're not yet where we're going to be, but we're not what we used to be? Aren't you glad he's been working in your life? In Mark chapter 9, we get a picture of not only who Jesus really is, but who we're to become. It says that after six days in Mark 9 uh, verse 2, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. In Romans chapter 12, we're told the key to transformation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I've always loved this scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which, is, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, when we say transformation, all we're saying is this is the supernatural and divine change and transition of the believer into the image of Christ. And notice it's supernatural. It's not natural. You can't do it. Aren't you glad for that? It started with a new birth, but it didn't finish with a new birth. It's ongoing in your life and my life. When we're talking about transforming into the image of Christ, we're talking about becoming like Him in His image, in His values, in His beliefs, in His character, in His priorities, in His purpose. And uh, if you've been born again any length of time at all, this has already begun in your life. What God is saying this year is He wants to accelerate this process. I believe wholeheartedly in the anointing of acceleration. There's a time when, of course, the disciples were on the lake, and of course, they were freaking out because of the storm. Jesus climbs into the boat, and the Bible says in the Greek, it's so emphatic, immediately they came to the other side. They literally transferred three and a half miles instantly because he was in the boat. It matters who's in your boat. And if he's in the boat, if he's with us, then we can see transformation, of course, increasing and supernaturally accelerating this year. I want to focus on, uh, on Abraham for just a moment here and then tell you about uh, the footsteps that he left for us. But in Romans 4, it makes it very, very plain the, the nature of the revelation God gave him and just the amazing uh, benefit for us it is to know what he knew back then. Aren't you glad that God preserves revelation for you and for me? Now, if you want to go with me there, it's in Romans chapter 4. We're going to read a chunk of this, so you'll have the context of what we're talking about. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited to as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So just to help you understand this here, if you work a job, you get some wages. You earned it. You and I did nothing to earn this salvation. Our job was to believe 
And if we did believe in faith, we received that gift of righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it, uh, was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So listen carefully to this last portion here. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now what you have to understand here is you've got a group today that... Uh, that may be historically covenantally circumcised, but do not believe in the one that Abraham believed in, the one that was coming. Then you have people that, of course, are, are Gentiles and have not accepted that, uh, that same Lord and walked in that same grace. But the point is, everyone really gets saved the same way. Why is this so, so amazing? Why is this so outstanding what Abraham received from God? I'll tell you why it's outstanding. It's because he received the revelation before circumcision, before any covenant was established with him by God, and before the law was given. When I look at chapters 12, 13, 14, and part of 15, before any covenant at all, before the law was given, the law came 430 years later, I'm looking at this man's life and seeing the blessing on his life, the victory on his life, and I want to know how in the world did he possibly walk in such victory with such little revelation, and yet that same revelation is key to your victory today. And all of this came before any kind of circumcision covenant or the gathering and the giving of the law. In other words, whatever he learned, you and I need to learn as well. Let me put you this way. You could be an extremely blessed believer just getting the revelation and doing what's in Genesis 12, 13, and 14 following in the footsteps of what we call the example of faith. The scriptures show us what Abraham did by revelation before circumcision, before covenant, before the law. In a nutshell, we get to see what the footprints of Abraham are, the footprints of faith, and you and I are challenged to follow in those footprints today. In other words, Romans says you're never supposed to be people who follow the law in the first place. What you're supposed to be are people who follow in the footsteps of faith. It's going to become increasingly important in the last days that we live in because it's not about religion or legalism. It's about following the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and watching that transform your life. Abraham shows us that we must partner with the Lord in our own transformation. And if we do, our transformation and results will be great. What's exciting is these footsteps are observable and they're learnable for everybody in this room today. If you will observe, learn, and do what Abraham did, you can have what Abraham had. It's a good place to confess right now. Amen? Amen. Say, if I will learn, observe, and do what Abraham did, I can have 
what Abraham had. And all of this, before we even get, amen, anywhere near the giving of the law or the New Testament. In other words, when you look at this man's life, you find out that it was about faith all along. The law was a tutor to show people where they were what? Not walking by faith, not doing right. It was never God's mechanism for salvation, and no one never has or ever will be saved by the law. You get saved the same way that Abraham did by faith. You and I have faith in the one that's been revealed. He had faith in the one that was not yet revealed. Listen carefully. There are some habits in his life that will transform you. The footsteps of Abraham. I want you to start with me over in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. This first footstep or habit is simply obey. <coughs> Shout it out with me. Obey. obey. When my niece was a little girl, she heard her dad, Ben, my brother-in-law, Ben, priest preaching on disobedience and <laughs> rebellion. And uh, she created an entirely new theological word, robedience. It's a mixture of rebellion and disobedience. Amen. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be obedient. The Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you will be cursed, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Aaron went. Uh, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now what's important here is, you know, we don't have to have some great theological degree to understand that if you want to follow in the footsteps <laughs> of the man of faith, you have to do what the Lord tells you to do. Yep. And look at somebody and tell him, he does not move, move in your life by, by silence. It's by directive. And these directives can come like they did to Abraham directly. Uh, God knows how to speak to us. Does he not, church? How many say God's ever talked to your heart before and you knew it was the Lord? You need to heed what he's telling you, especially in his last days. But he also gives us directives through his word. Say it with me. The Lord, his word, and his servants. You know, sometimes people will come to a spiritual leader and say, I need a word from the Lord. And, and, and God will give them a word from, for the Lord, you know, from the Lord, from the word of God for them, and they won't do it. Yeah. When you receive a directive, you need to do what? You need to do it. It's not complicated. He left this footprint of hearing God. Now, can you imagine the conversations he had with his father? Son, where are you going? I don't know. Uh, when are you going to get there? I don't know. Uh, can I go with you? No. How come? I don't know. But he struck out. The reality is we were dealing with polytheism. We were dealing with moon worshiping. We were dealing with some pagan rituals and rites. God had to get a man of faith away from all that to establish him in the land that would be their promised land. The director from the Lord, the word or spiritual leaders need to be heeded. We don't like hearing this sometimes, and I didn't really like it all that much either and still don't because I still have people speaking into my life, but we need to learn to do what Hebrews says and obey your leaders in the Lord. That's right. Boy, that was pretty weak, Rodney. That was just, 
that was Presbyterian week today, man. Come on now, church. <laughs> you need to obey the word, obey the Lord, and obey your leaders in the Lord. The caveat is they are giving you biblical counsel. A lot of people miss this and they miss a blessing because of it. But God is telling us today is that it's not complicated to walk in the footsteps of a man of faith, but obedience is a big part of it. Amen. Well, what if I don't like it? Doesn't matter. What if my faith, what if my flesh don't like it? Doesn't make any difference. What if I take a poll and everybody says it's not the right thing to do? It doesn't matter. What is God saying for you to do? He was told to leave his family. He was told to go to a land that God would show him. He was told he'd be blessed and would become great and would become a great blessing. In John 14, uh, 15, the Bible says, if you love me, you'll do what? What's the implication? If you don't love him, don't look at me with that tone of voice. I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> but if we love him, we'll do what he says. Second John uh, 1, 6. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands as you have loved, uh, as you've heard from the beginning. His command is that you will walk in love. Luke eleven twenty eight. he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. How we respond is going to affect our transformation. Do we respond with bells on immediately? Do we respond by delaying our obedience? Do we respond, you know, eventually get around to doing what God wants us to do? I want you to know that Abraham with not even one one millionth of the revelation you and I have of the Word of God. And this is true, right? We're blessed people. He knew enough to do this. If God said it, he needed to do it. So I don't know what directive you've been given. I don't know what correction you've been given. I have no idea. I, I, don't, I don't live in your head and I don't spy on you. Amen? Contrary to popular belief, I don't read your emails. But if he's giving you a directive, if he's giving you a correction, you do not want to delay that. To delay the obedience is to delay your transformation. There's a wonderful example here for you and for me that when he tells you to do something, do something. When he says go to Nineveh, you do not get on a ship going in the opposite direction. You say, I will never do that. Yeah, we've all done that. And it's time to knock that off. If we want to see a transformation this year like God has for us, we need to be quick to do what he tells us to do. As simple as a directive in your daily life or a major transition or whatever is a major decision, but to do the things that he tells you to do. The little things and the big things. Turn to somebody and tell them, Abraham, Abraham. left the footstep. And that footstep is obedience. Amen. If I love him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep his commandments. Have you noticed that Americans really don't like doing that? We're independent. Amen. Self-willed. Self-made. We're deceived about that. This nation was blessed long before you and I got here. We're the benefits of the footsteps of other people. If we want to see things move forward in our lives and for our posterity, we want to make sure that we're doing what he tells us to do. Not only was he obedient, he also was a seeker of God. Number two, the second footprint is to seek. Seek. Say that with me. I obey, I obey. And, I and I seek. In Genesis 12, in verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah. 
of Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Now look at this. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Now, this is just a small example of the pattern of Abram, but wherever he went, you know what he did? Seeking God was a priority. It's the first thing on his mind. Now, um, I'm not going to tell you, go out and get you some rocks and build a, you know, a big altar in the back of your yard. But you should be establishing a, an altar of prayer in your life that is consistent. He obeyed God, but he also would seek the Lord. And everywhere he went, that was his honor. That was his priority. That is how he, he fellowshiped with the Lord. That's how you both talk to him and receive instruction from him. And nobody can do this for you. And I tell you, you decide that you're going to set up an altar of prayer in your life. That may be a certain place in your home, a certain time, whatever it is. I mean, every devil in hell will come after you to try to stop that. Because there is transformation in doing this. The more you, you fellowship with him in prayer, the more transformed you're going to be. The less time you spend, the more delayed that transformation is going to be. Not only is, is obeying transformational, seeking him is transformational. You need to develop the practice of seeking the Lord first, an altar of prayer and communion in your life. When we re, uh, replace our idols like he did and deliberately seek the Lord, it causes transformation. You've heard this scripture a thousand times, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first. Let's quote it together. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. I mean, how many have heard at least 5,000 messages on Matthew 6.33? He had no, no service, no, no messages, no sermons, no nothing. He just had this revelation from God. I'm going to seek him. No wonder he was such a blessed man. Jeremiah 29.13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Isaiah 55.6, seek the Lord while you may be found. Call on him while he is near. Aren't you glad that he can be called upon? Aren't you glad he is near? He's a very present help in time of need. You obey him, but you also seek him. It's impossible to be in God's presence and not be transformed by it. How many want to be more transformed this year? Make prayer a higher priority, not less of a priority. The footsteps of Abraham before covenants, before circumcision, before the law was to obey a God that God revealed himself to be. And he sought this God and you see the result in his life. We're still talking about him today. Not just obeying, not just seeking, but also honoring. He left the footprint of honor. Listen to this in Genesis 14. Just a few pages over there. After Abram returned from defeating Gedor Lemur, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shiva, that is the king's valley. Now, you will notice that uh, this is when Lot moved as close to sin as he possibly could. Got caught up in a territorial war. Abram had three of his own household go out and defeat those kings, and that's where we pick this story up. And it says that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. 
Listen to this again. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and share that belongs to the men who went with me. Let them have their share. I want you to notice this. Now, Keselik points out, God has given you the victory. And you know what Abram's response is? To give him a tithe of everything. Shout this out. It's an honor thing. Come on, say it with me. It's an honor thing. He tithed because God gave him the victory. God gave him success. You and I have been given victory. We have been given life. Our mentality should be the same thing. I'm going to help you out here to understand this entire tithing thing. Look at somebody and tell them tithing thing. Come on, say it again, the tithing thing. Because there's so much confusion and there's so much belligerence over it and so much lack of revelation that when you understand this has nothing to do with the law, it predates circumcision and the covenants. It's a revelation from God Most High to a man of God, and it's the footstep of the man of faith, Abram. And if you will do what Abram did, you can have what Abram had. His first instinct was not, oh God, don't you know that tithing's under the old covenant? And God's like, oh no, I haven't revealed that yet. No. Tithing is not under the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. It was integrated later on for the people of God because of their disobedience. But tithing is under faith. Let me say it again. Tithing is not under the law for you. It's under faith. Faith people obey. Faith people seek. And faith people tithe. When you throw that's under the old covenant card out, you're telling me you don't know anything about the example of the father of faith before the law ever came. That we're no longer about the law. We're about doing things out of love and honor for God because of what he has done for us. And I can go around the room and just point out the things that God has done for people in this room alone. And our first reply would be when God blesses you and he increases you is not to say the law, the law, the covenant, the covenant. No, what you need to do is say the faith of God. He's been good to me. How could I not be a blessing to him? I don't want you, anyone in this ministry, getting into the habit of giving because of some kind of bondage or compulsion but understand that we should be giving out of faith. Amen. Yes, amen. Tithing is recognizing that he gives the victory and he should be honored with the tithe. He said boldly, if you honor me, I will honor you. Now this little, this little legal demon's been hiding out in churches all over the world. Today he's going to be exposed and naked and run out of here with his hair on fire. Because that little cap on people has been holding them back. God wants you to be free. Whom the sun sets free 
is free indeed. Say it, I obey, I seek, and I honor. I want to help you understand this, that this is not about some legalistic requirement under the, the law of Moses, which came hundreds of years later. This is an example of a person who lives by faith. And it's called the father of faith. And if you claim a father, you should claim their behavior as well. Yeah. Amen? It's interesting to, to note that he didn't have, you know, Oral Roberts or Brother Copeland's 50-part message series on giving. <laughs> Brother Osteen, before he went to be with Jesus, he preached 33 messages on biblical prosperity for world evangelization. 33. You know one of my first messages to this church was? Biblical prosperity for world evangelization. Courtesy of Brother Osteen. Do you understand the dynamic here? Uh, it's about something much, much larger than you or me. It's about something much larger than just some, some law, some component of what the law says to you and what examples of other people say to us. It's about you having a revelation of who this is. And somehow he got it, but he didn't keep it. It was passed down to his son Isaac. In Deuteronomy 28, we find out Jacob making the same vow. There was no Sunday school class on how to tithe. There was no message on how to tithe. There was no series on how to tithe. There was simply the observable behavior of their father, Abraham, and they reproduced it. It's no surprise that Isaac was blessed. It's no surprise that Jacob was blessed. It's no surprise that Joseph was blessed. Look at somebody and say, it's no surprise that you're blessed as well. Glory to God. In Hebrews 7, it's revealed that he actually tied to a theophany of the Lord Jesus Christ is who he tied to. Turn to somebody and say that we honor God, and we tithe to Jesus. It's not going to a church, an organization, an institution. It's going to him, the one who's done everything for you. If God gave Abram the victory over those kings, then what has Jesus done for us? Huh? Not just a single victory, but an eternal victory. Amen. Say it with me, it's an honor thing. Well, Robert used to say, the tithe is not a debt I owe, but a seed I sow. Amen. Come on, say, the tithe, the tithe is not a debt I owe, it's a seed I sow. But now we have a lot of voices out there telling people, ah, oh, you know what, the, the tithe is under the old covenant. Wrong, it's not. And then they say things like this. If you tithe, then you're subjecting yourself again to the law. No, I'm subjecting myself again to the example of Father Abraham. Amen. You see the difference? Yeah. Say it with me. It's not a debt I owe. It's a seed that I sow. The tithe is not an obligation and command. It's a revelation and a choice. It is not an obligation and a command. It is a revelation and a choice. Say to me, it's a revelation and then it's a choice. Uh, the revelation doesn't come from the law. It comes from the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And now it's up to you what you're going to do with that. Are you still here? <coughs> 
Talk a little bit more about this. You and I um, have been given a wonderful gift. You know what that gift is? You and I have been redeemed from the curse. <laughs> That's a good place to celebrate. Uh, Galatians 3 tells us that God redeemed us. Jesus, of course, going to the cross, redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might be restored to the Gentiles. Curse is everyone that is hung on a tree. Amen. You've been redeemed from the curse. You know what the curse is? Spiritual separation from God, sickness and disease, and poverty. That's what the curse is. Come on, say it. Spiritual separation. Sickness and disease. Poverty. Lack. No abundance. That's all under the curse. You've been redeemed from that. Let me say it again. You've been redeemed from that. Now, it takes some teaching, revelation, some understanding to get to a place where you believe and you act on those things. Just like it takes some revelation to understand the force of righteousness in your life, that you, don't, you aren't right because you're perfect. You have been given righteousness. And that force of righteousness causes you to live at a level you'd never live in terms of holiness and separation from God. It's the same thing here. Say, I'm redeemed from the curse. So when you read these scriptures like from Malachi, and he starts out with, you're robbing God, you're the curse with a curse. The first thing you should understand is that's true for people outside of God's will, outside of his covenants, outside of the faith of God. It's still true today for people like that. For you, God has eliminated the curse. But he has left the blessing with conditions that you and I, if we fulfill them, these things will come up on us and overtake us. Now, anybody here ever miss a tithe, miss a week, miss a two, miss a month, five years? <laughs> raise your hand if you ever feel like you miss something. Huh? No one's going to strike you dead if you raise your hand. Amen. And if you're not careful, you're going around saying, well, uh, I, I, I'm going to be under curse if I don't get this. The reality is that you're not going to be under curse if you don't tithe. You're not going to be walking in the fullness of the blessing if you don't. The promise that the floodgates will be open and that the pest will be rebuked for your sake mm -hmm. is for the one who actually ties. Yeah, right. You understand that? Yes. Not because of the law, not because of circumcision, not because of things revealed through those other covenants, but through faith in Christ in his name. And according to his word, you can have the same benefits that Abraham enjoyed. Amen. 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 Right. Say it, I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. I'm everything from the curse. So what's the, what's the best way to put this? Say it with me. I'm not cursed. I'm not cursed. I, can't I can't be cursed. You're in, you're in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you give your life to him? Yep. Yes. Raise your hand if you've experienced a new birth. You're not under a curse. Amen. And I pity the poor fool that tries to put one on you. Amen. May anyone who tries to curse you it reverberate and hit them back tenfold. Amen. You are not cursed. Amen. But you may not be walking in the fullness of the blessing. <laughs> Sometimes I hear things and I just, I just hear them from the Spirit. You are in tithing limbo. You're not cursed. 
but you're not walking in the blessing. You do not want to be <laughs> in tithing purgatory. <laughs> Raise your hand if you get what I'm saying here. I'm not saying there's a literal place of tithing purgatory. But you're not cursed. But you're not living your best life because you're not following the example of your father Abraham to obey, amen, and seek and honor. I love how Jerry Savelle said this. But I say, God bless Jerry. God bless Jerry. He said, as a New Testament believer, say it, a believer, said, I'm redeemed from the curse. <laughs> he said, as a New Testament believer, it's not that you're robbing God if you don't tithe. You're robbing yourself if you don't tithe. That's a real good place to amen. Because the principle of you won that victory, I honor you. You saved me, I honor you. You forgave me, I honor you. You healed me, I honor you. You gave me counsel, I honor you. You gave me breakthrough, I honor you. You gave me the wisdom and the victory in that situation, and I honor you. How in the world can we possibly sit here and not honor him with a tithe after all he has done? Amen. And hide behind, it's under the Old Testament. No, it's not. It's under faith. You've been lied to if you've been told it's under the Old Covenant. It's under the Old Covenant for those that are under the Old Covenant. That's not you. Say, he's been good to me. <laughs> Come on. He has been good. Come on, say it. So good to me. Let me ask you, how good has he been to you? How good? So good. And I say today that some of you are coming out of tithing purgatory. <laughs> coming out. <laughs> you're not cursed. But you're not walking in the fullness of the blessing that is there. Amen. I'm going to say it again. God by revelation has given us this church this year. All the tithing boats are going up in this church. Amen. Floodgates have been poured out and all of them are going up. Well, what's going to happen if there's a non-tithing boat still stuck and moored to the dock? Anybody know what happens to a boat that's stuck and moored to the dock when the water rises? Blub, 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 blub. How's that for a revelation? <laughs> Look at somebody and say, it's time to get out of purgatory. We're not cursed, but we're not walking in the fullness of the blessing. Because we're missing the example, following the example of our father Abraham, who honored God. I want to say it, it's all about honoring God. Jesus said, give it, it shall be given you. Get a measure, press down, shaking the other, running over, shall a man give. Do you, do you believe what the Bible says about that? Yes. Amen. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. Why do you want to do that? Not because you're under a curse, but because you're, you're so blessed. Let me ask you a question. Did Abraham offer the tithe before or after he was blessed? It's recognition of just how good God is. It takes us to the next level. Amen. Say it with me. I'm coming out. I'm coming out in Jesus' name. 
And you say, well, you know, I'm afraid of that kind of thing. You know, I just don't know how things are going to work out. You don't have to know how things are going to work out. You just need to trust God. You'll find out he'll come through in ways you never comprehended before. Say, well, I, do, I don't like church to talk about this stuff. You know what? My money is my money. You're deceived. You didn't get it by the strength of your hands. The Lord our God gave you power to get wealth. And it's about time you recognize it was the Lord your God that gave you that power and honor him in such a way. Under the New Testament, we're not so much robbing God if we don't tithe. We're robbing ourselves. Genesis 28, and then Jacob made a vow saying, If God be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safety to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be my God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. See what happened here? Lord, I'm going to respond to you with great respect and honor. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and your barns will be filled overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Shout it out. Say, honor the Lord. Amen. Say it again. Say, honor the Lord. Amen. Boy, that's real quiet. Say, honor. Honor. Some of y'all be yelling at the football screen, you know, when, t- when t- football playoff games are going, ah, come on, yeah. You come to church? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. It's okay to be excited about the things of God, isn't it? Even if they're not the Braves. <laughs> Jesus said this to the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of all your spices, mint, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Listen to this. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. When I first heard that in English class, I thought, that's crazy talk. But what does it mean? You should have done both. Jesus never canceled the principle under his father of faith, Abraham. Isn't it exciting to know that through the lineage of Abraham, Jesus Christ, our Lord, came? Understand that. The principle hadn't changed. But boy, the motivation sure has. It shouldn't be fear. Amen. Can I, can I have a better amen than that? Amen. It should not be fear that moves you to be a tither. It should be faith. It should be honor for the things of God. Say it with me. I obey. I seek. And I honor. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a, a cheerful giver. We have to have our minds made up about the concept of Abraham's example. And giving not under the law, but giving under faith. It's a total different concept. Say it with me. I give under faith, not under the law. You got to make up your own mind. And if you're double-minded about it, it's not going to produce fruit in your life. Be convinced and be absolutely sure of the Word of God in your life. How many of you serve God long enough to know that He takes care of His people when they honor Him? 
We could fill the afternoon with stories of supernatural intervention and provision by people who dared to take God at his word. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Versus a down-in-the-mouth depressed giver. <coughs> this, this is not a cheerful giver when the bucket's coming by. And like, let it pass by, let it pass by, let it pass by, let it pass by. You have your own version of Passover. That bucket, amen. No, Lord, let it pass over me, Lord. <laughs> when the bucket passes over, and it's just like, well, here it comes, here it comes. It's just plastic. It's plastic with a logo on it. It can't possibly hurt you. But if you're walking around with the wrong mindset, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. And you know, in the day we live in, a lot of people give electronically. So pipe down. <laughs> a lot of people do. In fact, right, right now, we're well over 50% of people give electronically. And it's fine. Give by check, whatever the case may be you want to do. But, but understand this. If you, if, you, if you have the revelation that this is under faith and you begin to do it, not out of fear, but out of faith, not out of any kind of compulsion, but from the heart with a single mind. And if you do it with joy, you're about to have the greatest breakthroughs you've ever had in your entire life. Joy is proof you've got the revelation, but joy is also proof you've got the spirit of the giver. And you can't wait to do it. You know what a, a person with spirit of joy would do? When he sees the offering bucket over here, this person climbs out of their seat, goes over and says, give me that bucket. <laughs> here it comes. You can't wait to take what you have esteemed as his scripturally and give it to him. He loves a cheerful giver. Say, he loves a cheerful, prompt to do it, the Amplified says, giver. Amen. You look for opportunities to be a blessing and to give and to sow. Tithing is just the start of that process. It's a wonderful way to live your life, but not because it's under the law. It's under faith that we do these things. But I can tell you this, when you start developing joy in your tithing and your giving, watch out. Amen. You're about to increase like you never have before. Say it with me, joy, joy. in my giving. In my Come on, let's all confess it together. I ain't afraid, I ain't afraid. of the bucket. Say it again, I am not afraid am not of the bucket. See, you know, churches like ours, charismatic churches, you know, we're churches. We don't use those little bitty offering places that are kind of thin, low to the ground, and metal. You know why you use those? Because it looks like there's a lot being given. <laughs> Amen? Use buckets. I'm thinking about getting some deeper buckets. So if you don't like these buckets... <laughs> you're missing the point. Amen. How it's collected, how it's received. It's important how you are giving, your mindset, your attitude. Is there faith? There is there joy in your giving. Amen. Say it with me. It's not a dead I.O. 
It's a seed I sow. I'm not so much robbing God if I don't tithe. I'm robbing myself. It's a way, the simplest way to advance in, in this year is make sure that you're obeying Him, make sure you're seeking Him, making sure that you are actually honoring Him. Number four today, he also left the footprint, the footprint of believing Him. He believed God. Look at the scripture with me again. We read it in Romans. But in Genesis 15, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your great reward. But Aaron, Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And listen to what the Bible says here. Are you looking with me? Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as? As what? As righteousness. He believed, and then God credited something to his account. The bottom line is, no matter how great the promises, how wonderful they sound, you've got to make a decision to believe them. Come on, say, I choose to believe. The promises of God are precious, and they are to be yes and amen to us. Acts 6 to 16.31, they replied, I believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. What do we need to do? Believe. Hebrews 11, and without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Raise your hand if you believe that He exists. Raise your hand if you believe that you'll be rewarded if you earnestly seek Him. That's what the scripture says. John 4, 42, they, he said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of, of God, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you. Watch this. It's at work in you if you Belief. That's the key. You have to actually believe it. The only question for you and for me is, will we believe the promises of God? Say, I believe. I believe. Note this. We've taught this here recently again. Believing is not magical, mystical, something that happens to you. Believing is a choice. If he says you'll be the head not the tail, what does it mean? You choose to believe it. When it says all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, what do you do? You choose to believe it. When there's a promise attached to tithing in Malachi or in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, you choose to believe it. When he tells you something that's hard to understand or difficult to do, you choose to what? To believe and do it. When he tells you there is value in seeking him, you choose to believe it. When the word tells you that tithing is under faith and the example and the footsteps of our father Abraham and not under the law for the New Testament believer, you believe it enough to actually act on it. Like Abraham, when we believe what God says, a deposit is released into our life of a spiritual force that causes amazing breakthroughs and victories in our lives. But it's not until we actually carry out that example. Aren't you glad I left an example for us today? 
Say it with me. He left me footprints. I need to obey and seek and honor and believe. Well, just meditate just for a second as we wind this down today. What happened in Abraham's life because he chose to live the way God revealed to him? Number one, he had a relationship with God. A covenant relationship, intimate, close. Was Abraham the friend of God? What a wonderful thing to be, amen? Amen. Number two, spiritual blessings, empowerment and carrier of the anointing. Jesus one day would come from his own line. He said you'll be a blessing to others. What What an amazing way to live. He also had abundant material possessions. In Genesis 13, the Bible says, So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev and with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. From Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, the man is beginning to see a real blessing manifest in his life, living this way. Number four, divine favor and increase, opportunities and open doors for you in this life. And most of all, and best of all, imputed righteousness by believing, not based on works, not based on the law. Your righteousness is not based on the law or works. And guess what? Your giving lifestyle shouldn't be based on works or law either. It should be based on, on faith. Amen. Now, I know you're just itching to say it, so turn to your neighbor and say, I can't wait, I can't wait. for that bucket to come by. You're going to this over here. Amen. Yes. Try it one more time. I can't wait. I just can't wait. For that bucket to come by. You've heard us say from time to time, that's not God trying to take away from you. It's actually an opportunity for prosperity. It's an opportunity for increase. And this is why. You have to believe that if God did it for Abram, he would do it for you. That he is no respecter of persons. So what do I do? What you do is you make up your own mind to agree what God's example laid out for us is. And just make a change. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, that's only January. Did you have the, the most blessed year of your entire life? Yes, if you believe the Word of God. Yeah, but they're talking about inflation and they're talking about recession. They're talking about that. Isaac, who understood the power of faith-filled giving, sowed in a famine in the same year, reaped a hundredfold. When they have a blessing on your life, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. He'll give you the way to handle everything that's thrown at you. Amen. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment.